what they found in those circumstances is that although you wouldn't see the increase in performance as quickly, so let's say it took eight weeks to improve the GPA in a school-based approach, when you took a strength-based approach, it would take longer, like over the course of months, not just weeks. What happened is you saw exponential growth in the child's overall performance across every single area. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Shauna. Shauna, thank you so much for being here today. It really is just a pleasure. It's great to see you, and it's really good to be able to do this with you today. Well, Shauna Wingert is a special education teacher turned writer, speaker, and consultant. She's also a homeschooling mom of two brilliant boys with differences and special needs. Shauna has written four books for parents of special needs, Everyday Autism, Special Education at Home, Parenting Chaos, and her latest, Homeschooling Your Child with Special Needs. She's also been featured in special needs discussions on Today.com, The Mighty, Simple Homeschool, Huffington Post, and Autism Speaks. And you can find her online at Different by Design Learning and in person as a featured speaker at the Great Homeschool Conventions. So, Shauna, I would love if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your background and about mm -hmm. your family. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm a mom of two boys. I have uh, a 17-year-old now and a 14-year-old. So we are officially in the teenage years. And as you also mentioned, both of them have uh, varying learning differences and both have chronic illnesses and other special needs. And so our homeschool has definitely evolved over the course of the last 10 years since we first got started. And our reasons for homeschooling have definitely evolved over the past 10 years. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but I will say one of the things that I am most grateful for is that uh, God prepared me well for this role. I did go to school to be a special education teacher. I was in the classroom for a period of time and realized that I was much more of an individualized type of teacher. It was very, very hard for me to see all the different needs in my classroom and not feel like I could devote the one-on-one -on -one attention to those needs to be able to help these little kiddos out. It was very, very difficult for me. And so my background from there took me into corporate training and development. I actually went into helping adults learn for a period of time until I had my own two and realized that uh, the public school system was not serving either of them well and was likely not going to be able to serve them well as time went on. And that's what brought us to homeschooling. I live in Southern California and uh, the reason why we're in this area is because my husband is a voice actor. So we have a lot of um, a lot of voices and a lot of activity going on in our house that are usually related to 
something animated or uh, something online. So there's a lot of that <laughs> in our oh, lives as well. So and even in our homeschool sometimes as well. <laughs> that is so fun. Well, you mentioned a little bit about how some of your reasons for homeschooling have changed and evolved over the years. Would you be willing to share a bit of your story, how you first decided to start homeschooling and then kind of delve into that a little bit, explore how those reasons have changed and, you know, from your own experience, what would your encouragement be to a mom who is maybe considering homeschooling a child with special needs? Sure. So we made the decision to homeschool before we had any diagnoses. There was, it was obvious that something was going on with my oldest. He uh, particularly, I, I know now looking back, I didn't know at the time what it was, but he definitely was experiencing extreme sensory issues. A, a lot of um, sort of daily function was affected by his lack of ability to cope with sensory input. And that was a really big deal when it came to the school environment. I, I know now because he's been able to express it now looking back that he was able to hear all 32 pencils scratching on the paper at one time when he was sitting in the classroom trying to learn. He still talks about the smell of bleach when he would go into the cafeteria. And you know, it's good they were using bleach. I'm sure there was a lot going on in there, but the smell made it impossible for him to eat when he was at school. Um, PE was traumatic for him because if they would do push-ups on the grass, the feeling of the grass on his hands was completely debilitating for him. And that led to a ton of school refusal, like literally fighting him to get out the door every day, to get him to wear shoes was a problem. Like literally all of these, what, what seemed at the time like seemingly small behavioral things that were going on were actually gigantic for him in terms of his own comfort and ability in the classroom. What's interesting for him is that although he has, he's on the autism spectrum, so although he has learning differences, he was wildly successful in school. He was in the 99th percentile in everything. He didn't fall behind because of this, um, but he was white knuckling in order to get there and was miserable every single day. Yeah. And so it became pretty clear at the end of his second grade year that we were gonna give homeschooling a try for third grade. That also happened to be the same time that his younger brother was heading into kindergarten. And it was obvious that there were some learning differences, particularly related to reading going on with his younger brother. And so I thought, you know, I have a background in special education. I kind of know what this could look like. Let me go ahead and see what I can do for his younger brother at home as far as reading is concerned and see if I can just help, help, this, help my older one out with just feeling more comfortable in his own skin. A year later, we learned a lot more about what was going on with him from an anxiety perspective and also received his autism diagnosis. And that sort of shifted at that point, the plan for our homeschool. At the time, you know, as much as I was trained to do this back in the 90s, there weren't conversations around these types of issues. And so I fall back on my heart to be a special education teacher, but the truth is, is I wasn't at all prepared to deal with the additional needs that my kids have going into homeschooling. And so for us, homeschooling really has become and continues to be part of our overall, for lack of a better word, treatment plan for my kids. It's part of how we are helping them be the very best version of whomever it is that they're going to be in this world 
Um, it's helping them cope with and embrace some of the struggles and the differences that they have. And dot, 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 it's giving us an opportunity to educate them. It's, it's all of those things. It definitely is not just about, you know, being able to individualize our approach to how I help my youngest learn to read or how my oldest is able to uh, gain the math facts that he needs to be successful. It has, it's sort of morphed into just an overall approach of how we're caring for two children who do have additional needs and do have some, some differences in the way that they're going to, that they're going to get along in this world. I love that, that it's more than just the academics, which I think maybe some people are first think about that when they're considering homeschooling a child mm -hmm. with differences or special needs. But to really see that it's so much bigger than that, that you're able to see them as whole people and, and really help develop them as whole persons. Right. Well, it's interesting because it's 10 years now. I'm easily able to say that, you know, 10 years in and they're growing up and I'm beginning to get glimpses of what this can and, and will look like on some level for adulthood, particularly for my oldest. Uh, but it certainly hasn't always been that way. And I do think that, you know, you mentioned the mom that's considering taking this on, that is thinking maybe I will go ahead and homeschool my child, knowing that they have learning differences or knowing that they have some special needs. And it is, it's been, um, it's been quite a journey for me to be able to get there because most of the messaging that we get when you have a child who does have differences is you need the experts to inform this. You need to make sure that you're doing all of these things in the way that we traditionally do them in a school system in order for this to work out. And not only have I found that not to be true, but it does put sort of an unnecessary focus on academics, even more so than it would if they were in the school system. And so that's why I mentioned that, because I do think that as my children have grown and as they've become more confident in their own abilities, I can see that homeschooling has provided benefits, again, far beyond, like no matter what, when it comes to academics, the biggest benefit has been being able to protect their confidence, being able to protect their self-esteem, not having them in an environment where their differences are what defines them, it really has been the greatest gift of my life and certainly something that I am so grateful that I've been able to give them over the course of the last 10 years. Uh, that number is the number one reason in my mind uh, as to why God led us on this path and it's what I wanna encourage other moms to not only consider, but be okay with embracing, right? Like if you're in the situation where you've got kind of that, but what if he doesn't, he's, you know, two years below reading level, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna fix it? While, you know, that's an element of what all of us do as homeschool moms, the big picture is just so much better than that. Oh, that is so encouraging. I know that's gonna be an encouragement for many mamas who are listening. I hope so. Well, let me ask you a question. And this is something I, I don't really know the answer to, but I know I've sort of heard people speak of concerns that they would lose access to therapies mm -hmm. or other resources if they choose to homeschool. So is that something that should be considered or are you still able to access things as a homeschool parent? It's a very good question. And it really is dependent on the state and the specific school district as to what the, the details of the answer are. Here's what I will say. Um, for all 50 states, it's 100% legal and appropriate to homeschool a child with special needs. That's usually the first question I get is, is he even allowed? Because I have this child who does have all of these needs, what does it look like? For 
I do believe every state in the union, but don't quote me on it. There are accommodations in place for families who make the decision to homeschool, but still would like to have access to services through the school district. And so here where I live, what that looks like is, is you are able to go like to the school district and request a, basically an individualized education plan. You request an IEP process, or if your child already has one, if your child's in school right now and is operating under a special education plan, you go and you request how that's going to transition. And for some families that looks like virtual therapies, so you could do speech therapy or occupational therapy or educational therapy online, like the, what we're doing right now and like what the whole world is doing right now. Yes. Um, or it could be in person, they still come into their local school and participate. There's a lot of different things that are available out there. What I will say is, and a caveat of that is, that it is hard to walk that line. There was a point in time where uh, I was feeling super nervous about my youngest son's progress or lack thereof in terms of reading. And so for the first time, we made the decision to go ahead and get him tested through the school district to get an actual IEP in place and to qualify us for services. And when you are a homeschooler, you get very comfortable with and used to eventually a homeschool mindset. And being in an environment that did not embrace that was difficult, not just for me, but for my son, because he has kind of this confidence about how he learns. And he has this ability to self-advocate because we've been home. And that it was, it was like a, a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> it definitely did not work uh, as well for us as just using our insurance and accessing therapies that way. So if you were homeschooling a, a child who is school age, but they are uh, maybe not able to access therapies through the school district, many of them can be paid for through your medical insurance if you have access to that. And so that's, that's been the way that we've done it. And that's what's given us the greatest uh, balance in terms of accessing therapies and being able to homeschool and take our same approach to education. That's really helpful to hear. And I would think that it would just be important to find someone who's going to support you in your decision to homeschool. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And there are some, like there are definitely um, several professionals that we've worked with that have said, this is the best thing I could possibly imagine for this child. Or it's amazing to me how much he's able to do given his learner profile. It clearly is working, which is those moments where you're like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I needed that. Yeah. Uh, but there have been just as many interactions and probably more unfortunately interactions that have said quite the opposite like the reason why he's so behind is because he doesn't have access to special education services or you know if he were in a classroom we would be better able to gauge you know his attention level or his ability to sustain attention there's a lot of like I said, there's a lot of messages that we receive when our children have differences, and sometimes they sound a lot like blame. And I would say if you choose to homeschool, then they get even louder when it comes to education. Uh, but that doesn't negate the benefit of it. And I, I've never met anyone who homeschools their child with special needs that regretted that decision. Um, you know, they might have chosen at one point in time to go ahead and have them go back to school, but I've never heard someone say, wow, that was a disaster. I can't believe we did that. You know, if anything, it's, it was, it was really hard for me. I struggled with it, but I'm so glad that I had that time and I saw the difference in my child. And so my encouragement would be, if you're thinking about doing this and you're concerned about services or you're concerned about how it's all going to work out, 
you certainly can reach out to your school district and find out what they recommend and what they have available and just start to scratch the surface. It, it sounds a lot harder and a lot more daunting than it actually is. Um, and there are a lot of options available from, you know, doing nothing therapeutically and just kind of creating your own thing at home to, you know, kind of a hybrid approach where you've got the school system in play and then you've also got your child home with you for, you know, a period of time doing, doing what we do as homeschoolers. Okay, that is great. Well, let me ask you a, a little bit more specific question because I know that your family has experience with a long-term pretty significant reading delay. And mm -hmm. you've brought that up even in our conversation here. So what are some strategies that we can use to continue to homeschool well in the midst of, of that challenge? Oh my gosh, I love this question because it has essentially defined my life as a homeschool mom. As I said, although we made the decision to begin homeschooling because my oldest was struggling so much in the public school system, the truth is, is that it was the impending kindergartner that was coming up that I could tell was going to be in a situation where he had some significant learning differences that ultimately required us almost to pull the trigger and go ahead and do this homeschool live. So just a little bit of background about what that looks like, because I know you know, but anyone listening probably isn't going to. My uh, youngest son is profoundly dyslexic and profoundly dysgraphic. And this is something that runs in my family. My father, who was quite successful in his life and was able to do great things and support himself and all that kind of stuff, could like barely write me a birthday card, could barely like, you know, sign it and do all the things that you do when you're writing to someone in a birthday card. But he managed. And so initially it wasn't... It wasn't as daunting to me, thank goodness. Had I known where we were headed, I'm not sure I would have felt as strongly about taking it on. But initially I felt like, okay, well, you know, this is gonna be a struggle for him. I know he's not gonna get the one-on-one -on -one attention that he's going to need in order to be successful in reading in a school classroom because I've been in one trying to do that and seeing the differences and the, the issues that come up with that. And so we made the decision to go ahead and bring him home. And then we spent literally almost 10 years trying to help this child read on any sort of, you know, significant, profound level. And, you know, I guess it's two things. The first is that it took me probably from the time he was four or five, like when we first started introducing like writing your name and understanding letters. And when I started to see that this is not sticking and not going well for this child, up until he was probably about eight or nine. We already had a dyslexia and dysgraphia diagnosis at that point. It wasn't like it was new news, but it took me that long to even grasp how different his brain is in terms of accessing information. And so the example that I like to give that sort of informs your question, which is what does this look like on a daily basis in your homeschool, is that he struggled with understanding the difference between a capital I and a capital H literally for years. So until he was eight years old, he would look at the page and it would be like, like 50, like roll the dice, like, I don't know, 50, 50, I can just pick one and hope that that's the right thing. It never connected. And you know, that caused some frustration for both of us to be sure. Imagine One day we were sitting there and I said, okay, so now which one's this? When we were pointing out the different letters and he looked at me and he goes, which one do you want it to be? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, it could be an H or it could be an I. I mean, really, if you just do this, they're the same. And it dawned on me 
you know, if you take a capital H yes. and you flip it, it's kind of the same thing as an I. He was seeing them three-dimensionally. They weren't sticking to the page for him. He was seeing them as this entity independent of the page. And so for him, it was the equivalent of me like taking a chair and turning it over and being like, but it's not a chair now. And he's like, but it is. Like, that's a chair. It's just a chair flipped over. And once I made that connection, everything changed because I realized this isn't about ability. It's not that he can't understand or can't um, gain access to this information. It's that I'm not teaching it in the way that he's going to be able to process it. I'm going to have to come up with some really crazy out-of-the-box things to be able to get stuff to stick in this boy's three-dimensional, super sort of visual, spatially gifted brain. And so from there, everything changed in terms of how we approach reading. We started doing everything super three-dimensionally, super hands-on. So the first thing was we made a capital H and I out of Play-Doh. So he could have it stick and could see that like the I has a long line in the middle, the H has a small line in the middle and, and could put that in his hands and see the difference. And he never flipped him again. Um, he struggled heavily with sight words that aren't um, something tangible. So like the word the, there's nothing three-dimensional in our world that defines the in your brain. And so spelling the for him became our next battle. Once we had H&I underway, we spent about two years just getting the because it just didn't connect with anything. He needed, we made a song about it. We like would jump back and forth between the letters to be able to spell it. He would write it in sidewalk chalk and shaving cream on the shower door. And then it clicked. He just, he is a child who has the ability, but the typical way that we approach reading and writing and the weight that we put on reading and writing and education is not something that's conducive to the way that he learns. And so it's required us to kind of wipe the slate clean and, um, and figure it out and go from there. I'm happy to say that in the last year, he has become a much more proficient reader. And a big part of that is we stopped doing the things that weren't working. So we stopped doing flashcards. We stopped doing, I stopped listening to all the voices that said he needs 20 minutes of explicit instruction with Orton Gillingham approach every single day. Like you hear that when you have a child with reading differences, especially a delayed reader, like super, like we're talking 11, 12, 13 people start panicking, right? Yeah. It's like, well, you've got to do more of all the things that don't work in order to try and get them to stick. and you know, whether it was just pure frustration or seeing his confidence starting to decrease because he was starting to define himself as a learner by his inability to read, which fortunately we'd, we'd never had to deal with that before. Like because we homeschooled, we were able to kind of keep him bolstered as a learner and keep his confidence up. Um, we made the decision to just for a year try to do it in a very interest-led, uh, hands-on, child-focused way. And by the end of the year, he was able, he was able to read. I mean, it was, it was 10 years. So, you know, it wasn't just one year later. We had definitely laid the foundation, but it was giving him access to reading in, in ways that made sense for his age. Like, you know, he's 13. He doesn't really want to read the level two all about reading book anymore. <laughs> all about right. reading is wonderful, by the way. Like that is the absolute program that we used all the way through and that I recommend all the time for anyone that's just starting out. But there is a point when your child gets to be, 11, 12, 13, and they're still struggling with reading where we have to kind of take a step back and say, what makes sense here? Because this isn't, 
this isn't working at all. And in the school system, what happens is it kind of stops. Like they go to more accommodation, like um, text to speech and speech to text, or they drop through the system and they just keep sort of pushing them through. There's not really any reading intervention strategies for kids that are that age anyway from a traditional special education approach. And so for any mom that's in that situation, I just want to encourage you, you know more about how your child learns than any expert in any book about dyslexia does. And it's okay to err on the side of that um, once you've established some of the foundational things that need to be established for any child when it comes to reading. That is uh, so exciting too. I got goosebumps as you were telling the story about just all, and it's one of those things, like you said, it's not like it was an overnight success. We no. just changed this one thing and all yeah. of a sudden it worked. It, it was because of all that long process and the foundation, but also your willingness to really see your son as an individual and the way that he was learning. And I love that. It's so exciting. Thank you. I think I was lucky that I had the example of my dad. Like I knew that, I mean, there was a point where I was like, he may actually never be able to read. Like I need to start to come up with what our goals need to be. Like is my goal that he can fill out a job application at this point? Like maybe that's what we start thinking about because he was getting older and it was, it wasn't, we weren't making a lot of traction. Let's put it that way. At one point it kind of stalled out as he got older and as he got more and more disengaged, with, you know, the bunny rabbits on the flashcards, <laughs> it, it was not working. Um, but I do think that God's grace in all of this is that I had some examples of what his life could be like, even if this continued to be a struggle. And I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, if he doesn't go to college, I'm cool. If he decides to be a mechanic, like my dad started out as when he first went into the workforce, fantastic. You know, how do I encourage that and make sure that he feels capable instead of, you know, where, where it felt like we were going as we were reinforcing that he was not capable and that he was not going to be able to do, you know, the things that he needed to do in the world because of this one aspect of how his brain works. And, you know, stepping away from that takes a lot of faith and it's very scary, but it also is what I think we all have to do at one point or another when we're homeschooling. It just feels like the stakes are higher when we have kiddos that have differences. Well, this segues perfectly into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because one of the things you write about and talk about is strength-based learning. Yes. And so I would like you to kind of explain for anyone who's unfamiliar with the term, like what is strength-based mm -hmm. education? And then why is it valuable? And especially why is it valuable when you're homeschooling a child with special needs? Absolutely. So I could talk about this forever. I'm going to try and keep it succinct because I am so passionate about this and have been for years, although it took me a while to apply it to my homeschool. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned that when I left the classroom, I went into corporate training and development. And part of that job and part of what I did there led me to um, an intensive at the Gallup organization at the same time that they were rolling out Strength Finders, which is their book where you go through, you answer questions, you figure out what your strengths are. And the idea was that if you were an employer, you could figure out uh, what an individual's strengths were and use that to allow them to have maximum productivity in their job. That's the basis of what Gallup did. But as part of that learning, I was exposed to um, a series of case studies that talked about a traditional school approach versus a strength-based education approach and what that looked like in school-aged children. 
And what the case study, study showed was that if in a traditional school approach, if you have a child who's doing really, really well, let's say in language arts, and struggling in math. So a student in language arts, barely like D plus trying to get to a C in math. What you do in a traditional school approach is you focus on math. You need to have tutoring sessions after school. There's probably some one-on-one -on -one, like breakouts that they do in the school classroom. There's this really intense focus on math because in a school approach, everything, all subjects are kind of weighted equally, right? The way you get a GPA is by saying, we've got English and we've got history and we've got science and we've got math, we've got PE, you know, we'll put all of that in there, we'll mix it up, we'll come up with the average and everything is the equivalent when we create that average. What they found in that is that if you took that approach, that sort of remedial approach where you're remediating the area that's a weakness, you definitely see a bump. You see that the child goes from a D to maybe a C, C minus, middle C grade. And we typically say, wasn't that great? Like you did such a good job. You improved your math. Now the GPA is up. Like we don't have to worry. Nothing's failing and we'll move on. When you look at a strength-based education, what happens in that same scenario and in these case studies is you instead allow the child to devote an exponentially greater amount of time to the area of strength with a minor focus on the area of weakness. And so in this case study that we're talking about as an example, that child would be allowed to just go wild in language arts. Like every single assignment would be something related to reading or writing or coming up with something creatively um, to allow them to express what's going on or whatever it may be with short little snapshots of time with math. And even better, if you can get math that has a language arts bent, like Life of Fred, I would say now, I didn't know it at the time, um, even better. You know, if you can use language arts as a way to teach math, that's an even greater example of a strength-based education. What they found in those circumstances is that although you wouldn't see the increase in performance as quickly, so let's say it took eight weeks to improve the GPA in a school-based approach, when you took a strength-based approach, it would take longer, like over the course of months, not just weeks. What happened is you saw exponential growth in the child's overall performance across every single area. Hey, did you know that you can leave a voice message here for me that might be featured on a future episode of Homeschool Conversations? Just head to anchor.fm slash humility and doxology and click the little message button below the podcast description. You could leave me questions or ideas or thoughts or, hey, if you have great tips for homeschool families, I would love to hear them. I look forward to hearing from you. And so that same D in math, might go to like a C plus or a B minus. It outperformed what happened in a remediation approach. And if that child was performing, let's say in language arts at like a sixth grade level, they would be college level by the end of it. You know, that's, that's the type of growth that we're talking about. Some of the, and again, I learned that at a time where I didn't have children. I learned that at a time where most of what I was focused on was going and doing this for corporations. And so from an education perspective, it didn't matter so much, but we use the case study as an example of why it works. It works because when you have a learner sort of leaning into 
their natural giftings, what they are naturally equipped to do, what they are naturally interested in, they then not only start to feel a sense of confidence, like I'm good at this, like I, I can do things, look at me and apply that to the areas that are tough, but they also learn how they learn. They start to create their own paradigm for how they approach learning something new and then they can go back and apply it to math. Then they can go back and apply it to the area that is a struggle for them. And we all do this. I mean, if you think about it as an adult, where you're not required to have every aspect of your life be equal, right? Like I'm not required to be tech savvy in my home, which is amazing because I am not tech savvy. I'm fortunate enough to have a 17 year old that can pretty much do anything and everything all the time for me. But the truth is, is that if I have to figure something out from a tech perspective, I know the best way for me to figure it out is to read something. I'm a, a very visual learner. I need to read something. I need instructions. If you give me a diagram, we're in big trouble. Like I'm not going to be able to plug in plugs. I know that. And I'm okay with that. I know that the way for me to be able to solve this problem is to get some step-by-step, -step, like literally do this first instructions and then move on from there. My youngest son would need a diagram my husband would need to watch a YouTube video, like distilled information that he can see on the screen and hear is the way he figures out things. Like we all have strategies based on our strengths that we employ when it comes to how we learn new things or how we tackle challenges. What a strength-based education does is it just allows us to extend that into childhood instead of it being something where it's like, no, you have to learn this way for school. But then once you get out of school, then you can start to lean into the things that are natural for you. Then you can lean into, you know, learning the way that you want to learn. What it looks like in a homeschool, because I do think I want to extrapolate it down to something that's super practical. And although I could talk about the research forever, um, is it, for me, it's like 80-20. So we spend about 80-20% of, we spend about 80% of our time on the things that my kids naturally gravitate towards and are strong in. So that's a lot of science. They both love history. So we spend a ton of time in history um, and that kind of thing. My oldest struggles in math and my youngest struggles in reading. And so those are the 20%. So we spend about 20% of our time with short direct instruction or strength-based instruction. So like I mentioned with my youngest with reading, he, um, you know, loves YouTube videos right now. And so it's like, like, dude, perfect. I don't know if you've heard of oh, this, yeah. but you know, my like the dudes are, like yeah. ah, doing the crazy stuff. Oh yeah. My kids so, are totally into dude. Perfect. So part of his reading instruction has been him coming up with his own script for dude. Perfect. Or even finding his own YouTube videos. Like instead of having me read the screen to him saying, yeah, if you want to watch it, just scroll through and see if you can figure out what they say. I've got something I need to do here and I'll come back. I mean, that's an example of a very natural strength-based way to help a child make progress in an area of its weakness. Um, and that's about 20% of the time versus the 80% when he's just doing all the things that he feels super confident in and that he feels like, like he's, he's got some measure of success. Yeah. Well, because then the way in which a child or an adult thinks of themselves, like I am good at learning or I'm good at solving problems, sort of like that general thing, that mm -hmm. attitude that you develop about yourself then applies to something that's more challenging. So it makes sense that you're going to be growing that curiosity and that you know, diligence, those sort of big picture things in areas where they're 
have, they have the strengths and then that will just help in other areas too. It just makes so much sense. It does, but it's so scary when you're doing it. Like I will say, I'm blessed by the fact that we've been doing this for 10 years now and I'm starting to see anecdotal evidence of it actually working in significant ways in my home for a large part of that 10 years, probably seven of the 10. It was like hoping for the best and sometimes erring on the side of, we're just going to do the reading worksheet because I want to feel like we did reading. Um, it's, it's scary. It's scary to let go of the traditional model that we've all been taught and to not feel like we are feeling our kids as homeschooling parents because they are struggling in a particular area. I think we tend to overcorrect even more so sometimes than the school system would when we've got a learner who is struggling. And so I do want to say, because the last part of your question is not something I addressed, which is why strength-based learning works so well for kids with learning differences. It's exactly that. Because when you have kids with learning differences, there's usually an even bigger disparity between what they're really, really good at and what they really, really struggle with. And so they need the focus on what they're good at to be able to have, I mean, even just the basic confidence to even try after a while. Like look at my poor son. It took him four years to figure out the difference between H and I and not get defeated and not feel discouraged. And it's because he was spending the majority of his time doing other things that he felt a measure of success in. Had we not done that and had just focused on H&I every single day, uh, I'm not sure where we would be today. But it was hard. It was, it was a lot of faith and a lot of like tears and a lot of worries and staying up at night. And again, sometimes just forcing him to do flashcards or a worksheet just so I could feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, that's why, <laughs> I think that's why it's so important to be able to hear from moms like you is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you and share your perspective because for a mom who's just starting out in this and they're just jumping in and they're, they're thinking, I'm going to try this. I don't know if it's going to work. Mm -hmm. To be able to hear from a mom who's a few years down the road who can say, I was there and I can see that fruit starting to come. I just know that's such an encouragement. That's so. exactly why I'm online. I would not choose to do this. <laughs> I said I'm more of an introvert than, than this, but um, it's exactly that. It's my heart for the person that's just getting started in this and is feeling the conflict that comes particularly when your child has differences and wants to get into homeschooling. That's, that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm happy to do it. Well, I wanted to ask you a question from sort of a different perspective. For those of us who can't necessarily understand the same kinds of struggles and challenges of a homeschool family with children with differences or special needs, what do you wish that other homeschool parents really understood about what it's like um, to homeschool a child with learning differences? And how can we be better at loving our friends um, or those that we get to know who are maybe having to face homeschooling and a different set of challenges than yeah. we are. I love that question. Thank you so much for asking it. That's huge that you're asking it because I do think that sort of historically in the homeschool community, there's been this message that like as homeschoolers, we're already the rebels, right? We've already kind of taken ourselves out of the norm and said, okay, this is what we do. And so at times I've struggled with being able to connect with other moms or even be able to share our experience because there's this sort of dismissal of, well, yeah, but that's why we homeschool, right? So that you can individualize your approach. So you can, I mean, it's going to be fine. And so 
I guess I would say two things. The first is it is really hard and um, I wish it wasn't and it just is. And so I, I appreciate your heart to acknowledge that this is a different uh, level of controversy that we're dealing with on a daily basis in our home and that there's no shame in acknowledging that. And it doesn't take away anyone else's struggles with homeschooling with children who don't have these differences. You know, I would never negate anyone else's experience or say that somehow mine is more difficult. I don't know that it is, but it's a unique kind of difficult. And it's one that doesn't have a lot of resources available. There's not, I mean, there's nothing out there. <laughs> Literally, that's why I'm online to at least say, I, I don't know, but here's what's worked for us. Like, try it. There's very little out there for parents who are making this decision and are trying to figure this out for their kids. Um, and it can be really hard. The second thing is, and this goes way more to kind of the practical part of being in community with a homeschooling family whose children have differences and that is the the social emotional struggles like i think that for a lot of our kids um, who have additional needs what comes across can look behavioral it can look defiant it can look um, out of control and it can seem uh, like something that we need to shield our other children from I know I've been on the receiving end of that on a lot of occasions. My kids obviously have been the focus of that on a lot of occasions. But the truth is, is that this is, this is the world that we live in, homeschool or not. There are folks who have brain differences that provide a ton of value in other ways that might make it okay to put up with some attention issues or some craziness at the park when you're doing your co-op or whatever it may be. I like to share uh, one of the most salient examples that I can think of. It's so, it's so simple, but it, it still brings tears to my eyes. And this was probably seven years ago. We had um, a group of friends that were very, very kind and very, very sweet to us and always were very accepting and loving and encouraging of my kids and of me right like it's clear that you're doing what you can you know i'm not worried about them i'm not worried about you like just come over hang out with us well on this one particular afternoon my kids had gone out with her children to play like in the neighborhood and the neighborhood kids started picking on my oldest and it was the first time that any of our homeschool little group had experienced that the kids ran back in and um you know told their mom so this is the other kids not my own told their mom and one of them was devastated like was i mean he was just in tears because he couldn't understand why they couldn't see how great my oldest was he was like he's so good at this just because he can't play basketball he's so good he knows everything about sharks you know like that kind of thing he was yeah. already seeing the strengths right yeah but the oldest her oldest daughter was like i told him that these are our friends and if you're not going to be safe with them then you don't play with us and they like walked away right <laughs> gonna cry a uh, huge right now That's here's amazing. the thing no. here's the thing for me it was so i don't even know what the right word is it's encouraging doesn't even begin to cover it it was like a balm to my soul that my yeah. children had had people in their life that were their age or in their age groups who saw them for who they were and respected them for who they were and would stand up for them. 
my friend would say for her, it was an incredible moment of her seeing what her kids are made of and what they're about and what their character is. And so for both of us, it was one of those, like, thank goodness we homeschool together. Thank goodness we're doing this together. And she had to overcome allowing her kids to see some things behaviorally that weren't great on my son's parts. She had to overcome some of the discomfort with some of the weirdness that can come up sometimes when you have a child who is socially struggling to connect. She had to continuously sort of reinforce the good with her kids so that they would even be in a position to do that. But I will tell you, she doesn't regret it. Like there's benefit in that for her kids that goes far beyond, you know, what my children experienced that day in terms of the support that they felt from their friends. What a beautiful story of love and relationship and, and also just the honesty too of like, it's not easy. Sometimes it takes hard work, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think that can be true of, of many relationships. I mean, mm -hmm. the truly deep relationships that we develop over time in any situation, it takes, it takes work and it takes mm -hmm. selflessness and, and love. Sure. And don't feel bad if your friend that is um, struggling with homeschooling children with special needs doesn't come to all the things or never returns your text for the first like three weeks. It's, it's just really hard, especially when your children are young, to have any time and space outside of that. All I would say is don't take it personal. Just keep being sweet. And I know that it will, it, for me anyway, it made a huge difference that my friends were... Um, continuously inviting us, even if we only came a fourth of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was what we could do and they just recognized they wanted us there, but they recognized that we wouldn't, we wouldn't always be able to be there and just didn't take it personally. Oh, I love that. That's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. Well, Shauna, one of the things that you offer online is different by design, parent support, personalized help. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I would love to. Yeah because of everything that we've talked about and how little support there is out there for this specific sort of brand of education for children that do have special needs. Um, at Different by Design Learning, I have various options for support for parents who are in this situation and would like to have access to um, either individualized learning plans for their kiddos that are strength-based or even online support sessions with me, kind of like what we're doing now, but talking about their dynamic with their kids. I even provide online uh, tutoring support for children that are struggling in certain areas that's strength-based, more as an example, so that the parent can then apply, can see what I'm doing with uh, their child to see how I'm helping them learn to read or I'm helping them learn to write. Those are the two big things that I'm usually helping kiddos with. And then the parent can begin to apply that over time. It's sort of a unique place that I sit at in the internet because I, I did do this as kind of a career for a period of time, but most of what I've learned, as I said, was a lot more hard won in my own home with my own two kids who happen to have very different differences. And so there's been some experience there that I'm happy to share. So again, at Different by Design Learning, I'm there all the time doing what I can to support and encourage parents who are in the same situation that I've been in as, as we've gone through this homeschooling journey. That's fantastic. And I'll be sure to have that linked up in the, in the show notes over um, with this post. Shauna, thank you so much. I just have had a delightful time hearing, hearing your story and getting to chat with you today. Can you tell people where they can find you online? Sure. So as I said, the place to go for any support, if you want to read some things that I've written, if you want to find the books, that kind of thing is differentbydesignlearning.com. 
I also have a great Facebook group filled with parents who are in the same situation. It's um, purposely very carefully managed so that the environment is very supportive and very honest at the same time. And I love that place. It's become a very safe place to put stuff out there about what's working and what's not working with our kiddos. And I would encourage you, if you feel like you need just somebody else to say, I totally get that, or my kid did that crazy thing too, or I struggle with that every day, that's the place that I would refer you to because I just, I love being there because it helps me as a mom hear what the other moms are talking about. And then I'm on Instagram every day sharing uh, all the wild and crazy examples of what strength-based learning looks like in our home. So if you just want to catch a glimpse into what a strength-based homeschool looks like behind closed doors, Instagram's the place to do it. There's a bunch of, there's also a couple of videos of my son reading. So if anyone wants to have some evidence of the progress that we've made, uh, you can hear him reading Harry Potter and Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> pretty great. It's pretty great. And I love your email newsletter too. I, this one oh, is the yeah. ones that I love Thank to you. open and read. So I appreciate your authenticity and your honesty and also the encouragement. I feel like you do a good job balancing the real and the hard and acknowledging that while also being an encourager. So. Thank you. you. I love doing it. That's true. I should mention that. My email newsletter every week, I just say what's working. And it is just a, just another mom saying, look, this is all I got. These are the two <laughs> or three things that are working around here. It's one of my favorite things that I do. So I'm glad you brought that up. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.